Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behaviour, sleep and more. Sean Zepps is many things. He's an influencer, a writer, singer, actor and a dad of twins with a husband. He's also the host of the listener podcast, Come Out Wherever You Are. Needless to say, he wears many hats and all of them with flair. He's here today to talk about his experience of queer parenting in a largely straight world. Hi, Sean. How are you? Hi, I'm so good. Thanks for having me. (laughs) I saw your eyebrows go up when I said singer. It is my lifelong ambition to get you to sing on audio. You know, whatever podcast I'm doing, I'm going to try at some point just to slip it in and you're going to accidentally... Didn't I get you to sing Lion King once? You did, yeah. That was actually the first time I think I've ever sung publicly, and that's why my eyebrows raised, because I was like, she's making this a mission. <clears throat> no one calls me a singer. This is hilarious. You have a beautiful voice. We'll get there. Mm. But um, let's talk about your podcast. Okay. So it's into its second season now, and you're talking to different people within the LGBTQIA plus community about what it was like coming out. Mm. And um, I guess I feel like parenting is a fairly heteronormative world, right? So the media backs that up. That's what we see mostly on screen. And you meet people in the parenting community all the time. In some ways, it's like a level playing field. For me, anyway, it's a really easy way to start a conversation if you're in a playground and you've got kids. But I'm wondering, given you know, the title of your podcast is, well, your podcast is about coming out. Mm. I'm wondering, are you constantly coming out to parents? Because there's this assumption that you're part of a a straight couple. Yeah, a hundred percent. I say this quite frequently at the beginning of each episode of the show. I say the first time I came out and the last time I came out. The reason we do that is so we can normalize the fact that the coming out experience does not just happen once. It's actually in many way, shapes, and form, it happens daily. I would say on average, I come out probably three to 10 times a week. And of that, 50% are in an Uber or (laughs) always, strangely enough, in Ubers. They want to start chit-chat. They see a man in the backseat and they just make gross assumptions. If I say that I have a children, then they ask about my wife or my girlfriend. And so then I'm forced to decide in that moment, am I going to be an advocate today? Is today the day I'm going to come out? So sometimes I say husband and sometimes I pretend I have a wife because it's just much easier. The other 50% of those coming out experiences are all with fellow parents. And they're all because they slip in a script. We fall into a script. So if you're at a park and someone sees your children and they're being really polite, or maybe they, uh, they might say, you and your wife might, must be so proud, or uh, the children look a lot like me. So they'll say, Oh, they look so much like you. I'd love to see, you know, what your wife's influence is. Or people look at me being as fabulous as I am, usually dressed in a quite obviously flamboyant manner and quite young looking. And they make other assumptions. They'll say, are you the uncle? They'll say, are these your children? I get a lot of assumptions that I must be the nanny. And I think it's because I'm like incredibly outgoing and I'm usually like (laughs) acting like a small child. But so yeah, I'm forced a lot to basically address it. 
Also, I'm not naive. Like, we don't need to pretend that at every playground you go to, there's a gay dad. That's just not the case. And so to walk in blindly thinking that everyone is going to immediately clock and know my story, I, I don't, I'm not going to do that. And so, yes, so it happened. We shouldn't, know people, we shouldn't assume we know everyone's story, right? I mean, that's true. And to be honest, as I have shared my story publicly, what I have learned is my story is also the single mom story, is also uh, the adopted parent story, is also the foster mom story, is also the mother who froze her eggs and chose to go through the IVF process alone. All of us are forced to deal with a script that people have followed and us having to decide if this is the moment we correct it. And when you walk away and don't correct it, you feel a little bit bad. You're not making the world a better place. And when you do correct it, it's often uncomfortable, right? The person feels weird. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I didn't mean to. Oh, of course. Oh, I didn't know. Uh, And so it's a weird existence. But I guess the short, the very long answer to the short question is, (laughs) oh, yeah, I come out all the time in the parenting space. (laughs) What kind of response do you get? Because I know you guys live in a fairly progressive, shall we say, part of the city, part Mm. of Sydney. Um, And I know that you went traveling around Australia with Josh and the kids. I feel like it was last year, but I can't exactly remember when it was. It might have been two years ago. I'm blacking out. Yeah, (laughs) because of all this COVID stuff. Mm. And I'm wondering what kind of experience you have in different parts of Australia, because I think sometimes we get in our bubble and we assume that people are open and and not even open. Sometimes I think, ah, that's so, you know, 1980s. Why the hell do you care? Exactly. But I'm, I'm wondering what your experience was like around Australia. Oh, it's a mixed bag. I mean, the worst experiences I've had were outside of Sydney, but not that far. Like one of my worst experiences was in Avalon. I've had a really bad experience when I was on a road trip through South Australia. I've had an awkward experience in Broken Hill. I've had an awkward experience in Melbourne. Like, it's not isolated necessarily to what we would deem a right-leaning or a less accepting environment. It actually is more of a generation, generational issue. You know, four of the worst moments I had all occurred in a, in a week's period when I was living in Balmain, and all of them were with women who were above the age of, of 60. And so oftentimes I think less about where they're from, and I think more who they are and what tools did they have access to when they were growing up. What I like to say to other people who are allies is like, it's all about the individual, like what mood they're in, what zone they're in. So no matter where I am in the world, no matter who I'm talking to, it all completely comes down to my confidence in the moment. If I walk into an experience hesitant, oftentimes that's when awkward interactions occur or if I feel that I need to lie, or I'm clearly uncomfortable or nervous. When I walk in and announce who I am, these are my children, I'm a homosexual, I'm a gay dad, my husband, if I, if I beat them to the punch and I'm so confident and unfazed by it, oftentimes they don't have a chance to show me their true colors. And that's how I survive, is just I lead, I lead first, and I make it clear that I'm Sounds not uncomfortable. Exhausting. I mean, I'll be honest with you, 50% of the time it is. You know, you really have to wake up each day and decide is today the day I want to change the world? Is today the day I want to be an advocate? And that's not just me. I know that I have friends, I have a wheelchair-bound friend who feels the same way. It's like you just want to live your life, but how do you make the world a better place? It's if you can't see yourself, you can't be yourself, so you have to talk a little bit more. And the other thing, I guess the elephant in the room, is this is what I do for a living. 
this is what I do for a living. My entire ambition, my goal, my media career is based around showing young people that you can grow up and you can have a family and you can have kids and your life can be just as stressful and annoying as all the straight people. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, it's a little annoying, but it's also like I'm showing up to work. Yeah. Um, And, you know, we're talking about, you know, last year or the year before, but this kind of discrimination was happening as soon as you became a parent, right? I remember we had a conversation when we first met about what it was like to be the stay-at-home dad with two babies. Mm. So um, I haven't even mentioned you have twins. I just got (laughs) straight into it like everyone knows you like I do. But so your twins are four now, but you were at home with them when they were very small. And everyone knows how hard and isolating that time can be. But even then you had trouble finding a village. Mm. Australia is progressing quickly. In a a four-year period, it seems to me in every state in this country that less and less mothers groups exist and more and more parenting groups exist. As women enter the workforce after parenting at a faster rate and as men stay home more, as parents go into the experience in unique and special ways, the landscape is changing, which is great. But four years ago when I moved here, I guess what you're specifically referencing is I tried to join the local mothers group and they were very nice to me, but they were like, this is a specific group for mothers. And the the answer, which again, I totally buy, was there are uncomfortable conversations that we want to be able to have. And I don't disagree with it. I completely understand that in front of a man, gay, straight, or otherwise, to talk about crack nipples and tears down there and the healing journey and having sex with your husband when he wants it and you don't. like Those are complicated conversations that I historically might have not had a right to be around. And if I am around or straight men are around, is that going to make women less likely to want to share that truth? Now, obviously, I feel that if that's the dirty reality of parenting, the only way to make the world a better place is for straight men to hear those conversations. We have enough problem with men not respecting women, and I absolutely think it starts from a really young age. And so if we can't talk openly about what it took to bring your son or daughter into this world, then like, how are we going to make the world a better place? But I just don't judge them. At that time, you're right. I was isolated. I wanted support. And my feeling has always been, all of my concerns are your concerns too. After you give birth and after you're finished breastfeeding, my children don't poop less than your children poop. (laughs) My children aren't nicer to me because I'm gay. In fact, I think there's great value for you as a straight parent to understand the nuances of minority parenting experiences so that maybe you can feel better or better understand the reality of the human experience. But I guess the good news to circle back is with each year I hear from other queer people, from other mothers whose husbands need to be the stay-at-home parents, that more and more and more groups have decided if we are going to find community in this neighborhood, that is going to now involve men, gay, straight. I'm actually surprised in that situation that someone didn't reach out to you because every parent, every new parent needs support. Yeah, I mean... What I've often said recently, because I've been asked publicly a couple times about my advice, is it does require the person who wants the help to do some work. And I did not. I was so shocked by that interaction that I just hid. 
instead of going up and introducing myself to more people at the playground, I just had decided in my head that they didn't want me there. And that's just a part of the queer experience, unfortunately, especially within the parenting community, is you are made to feel accidentally that you're not welcomed. Every article is directed to moms. All the articles about dads usually are very negative. They're lumping gross generalizations together. All the pictures in magazines and in photo shoots and all the media representation, it just talks about moms. And so one, if you're a dad, you totally feel like, okay, I'm not welcome here and maybe it's justified. And then if you're a gay dad, you really just don't understand like where you fit in. And so if your first experience is good, I'm sure the rest of your journey is better. But for my, my first experience was bad. So in the future, I say to other young gay parents, like if you want a seat at the table, you're going to have to push, push your way there. Once you're there, every other gay dad after you is going to find it a lot easier. But again, that requires people to want to be advocates and not all of them have that desire. I follow you on Instagram. I've interviewed you many times before. And I remember when I spoke to you for the first time, we were both younger. (laughs) But I remember being so impressed with your approach to parenting and following you on Instagram, that's only reinforced that because I can see the effort you go to with your kids and how much you love doing things with them. Do you think your parenting is influenced at all by the fact that you grew up thinking you wouldn't be allowed to be a dad? And so you appreciate the experience of parenting, maybe a a bit more than those of us who just always assumed it was going to be something we did. I did not think I was going to get emotional, but this is a little triggering because I have been thinking a lot about it. I have always felt that I had to work like 10 times harder to just be accepted. If you're going to be the gay kid, be the funniest gay kid. If you're going to be the outsider and the kid in the minority, be faster than everyone else. Get better grades than them. That is a fundamental part of what it means to be different. And it's not just isolated to to people who are queer. It's anyone who feels different. They often have to rise to the occasion. And without a doubt, a huge part of what I do for a living and why I'm so crafty and creative and why I plan so much with the kids and why I overanalyze the parenting experience and do my best to find what I think to be is right is because I know that I'm an outsider and I want to be welcomed in. I think that's why it was hard to hear because it's it's not something I'm necessarily proud of but uh, because the intention is not always right. But it is just a part of my experience on earth is when you feel different, you do sometimes feel the need to work harder just so you can be considered average, normal, right? It's such a gross word, but you know, all I've ever wanted my entire life was to be normal. And for such a long time, I just didn't feel that this would ever be an option for me. So now that I'm here, now that it's possible, I'm like, well, I'm going to do what all of the moms did who were great. I'm going to I'm going to rise to my mom's level. I'm going to every mom I ever saw that I wanted to be like, I'm going to take the bests of her. And that does not mean that I'm fantastic, but what it does mean is I'm constantly trying really hard. I'm putting a lot of effort into what is going to make their experience normal. Yeah. 
Well, um, I'm sorry, but you failed because you <laughs> you are super dad. And I personally think, I mean, my kids miss that whole phase of Bluey, but everyone talks about the dad in Bluey being awesome. Mm. And I kind of feel like you're him. Like <laughs> Thank you. every time I see it, I'm like, those kids are so lucky. Mm. They're so lucky. You're, you are a phenomenal parent. I can tell that from just talking to you and mm. watching what you do with the kids. Thank you. And I mean, you bring up something interesting about Bluey. I'm obsessed with him. I just think he's like, <laughs> so like, why is he so hot and smart and great and such an inspiration? So there you go. You yeah. are that dad. That's so funny. Cause he's, he's just so <laughs> playful, but I, can't ignore the fact that my children are have been dealt a unique set mm. of circumstances. I don't think that they're better or worse than any other circumstances. There are children whose parents don't know how to show them love. There are children who are raised by parents who are depressed. There are children who are raised by parents who never will ever speak to them. There are people who will never know who their parents are. They're, they're natural born biological parents. And all of those cards are are challenging. And I think Anyone who's listening who took a unique path to parenthood will understand that, yeah, you're, you're fighting to try to figure out ways to ensure that they have the best life they can to potentially make up for what may, might be hard. It doesn't mean that it's the right approach psychologically. I'm sure a therapist would be like, you don't need to put that pressure on yourself, but it's definitely my truth. Yeah. Well, I'm interested in that as well, because um, talking about people who come to parenting through a different route to the traditional, let's mm, say. Mm. I have often thought that it's really tough for those parents. Um, I think about IVF. I think about how hard people try to have their babies. And then once their babies come, often society, friendship groups, family will look at them and go, that's what you wanted. So off you go. Mm. And so it doesn't take into account the fact that you can really want kids, but you still suffer through the same anxieties, the same challenges, the same Let's face it, sometimes we all need a break from our kids. Mm. And I feel that people who have tried really hard for their kids get the bad end of the stick in that situation because they're, they're kind of told, mm. well, you wanted this. Look how hard you tried to get this. So exactly. why are you complaining now? Oh, that's so true. I mean, my DMs are just flooded with single mothers, IVF moms, adoptive parents who say that exact thing, which is oftentimes the world wants them to appreciate the experience more because it was harder for them to get there, which is nonsense. The reality is, yeah, I mean, IVF parents often have to spend years longer and hundreds of thousands of dollars more to get there. But once the child is there, the past is not really considered. You're just focusing on on trying to survive each day. And that's what all of us are doing is we're just trying to survive. And it's an important layer that I wish more parents would be honest about admitting that on top of the experience that they've had, there's this additional layer of not feeling that they can share it. I feel that way about the whole parenting journey. If you really, really, really wanted to have a girl and you had five boys in a row and never got that girl, you're allowed to be pissed. You know that, right? Like <laughs> you are allowed to tell your friends. And when someone says you should be grateful you have a child at all, just walk away from them and find someone else who can be a sounding board for you. The only way to survive this parenting experience, this modern parenting experience and thrive 
is to openly communicate. It used to be suppressed to survive. And now I think it's like openly communicate to thrive. Because when you can feel normal, when you realize that every other parent around the table is struggling and that there are some who are struggling more because of unique circumstances, it humanizes the parenting experience. It makes you feel less crazy and you're more likely to be mentally sound. And you know what? When all of those things occur, guess who benefits? The children. If the goal is for all of us to be good parents so our children are best sound, we'll just speak to any therapist. The best way to do that is to openly discuss and be honest. And that's why when they come into my DMs and they say, oh, I'm so embarrassed, no one in my mother's group knows that my son is adopted or I haven't told them yet that I'm really struggling because all of them are thriving. I'm like, no, they're not, my queen. No, they are not. Parenting is performative. Everyone is just trying to survive. And if you want to thrive, tell them your truth. If they respond positively, that's your group. That's your tribe. And if they don't, walk away. I know it sounds easier said than done, but at the end of the day, if it's really about the children, that is a path forward to success. Mm, and you're 100% right that if you can just let it all hang out, you feel so much better. Mm. Even now my kids are in primary school. I remember dropping them off at the school gate and one of the other mums, one of the school mums came up to me and she's Irish and she's lovely and she's so funny and always just really positive. And she said something and she went, oh, how are you going, Chev? And I went, to be honest, I'm feeling a little bit shit. Like I'm a little <laughs> yes. bit tired. I'm a little bit over it. It's just a lot. And she went, oh my God, yes. And we just Finally, had like. someone saying the truth. We had five minutes of just going, oh, it's hard, it's hard. And we both walked away mm. feeling so much lighter and so much more capable of answering all those challenges that made us feel like shit in the first place. Exactly. We do it in so many other places in our lives. Athletes are very comfortable addressing how challenging the race was because when they make it to the end and they go, wow, that was really difficult, they feel proud. Parenting is abusive. <laughs> like we torture ourselves. It's, it's beautiful. And there are all the caveats we know we're supposed to say. And all of those things are true. We love our children. It's a beautiful experience. We learn, we grow, we get closer with our partners. But it is incredibly difficult. And you need to be reminded that it's difficult and that you're getting through it. Because when you do, it's like finishing the race and going, you know what? This is hard and I am doing it. <laughs> and that inspires you to get through the next day. Yeah. Uh, now, I have a question that I have not prepped you on. Okay. And it's to do with your podcast. Okay. So you have spoken to numerous people about coming out. Mm -hmm. And I'd say that you have had your fair share of intolerance in your life. I'm wondering, has the podcast taught you anything about acceptance that you didn't already know? And I'm sort of framing this in the fact that every parenting generation is going to be challenged mm. by things their kids will experience that we have no experience of, I feel. And I'm <laughs> the only example I could come up with, because I know how tolerant you are, is what if one of the twins came home in 20 years' time and told you that they were going to join some super, super conservative think tank? Yep. And I'm wondering, because the conversations you're quite familiar with in, your, in terms of the intolerance you've experienced, I'm wondering if you've learned anything from your podcast. Mm. For that Unbelievable situation. question and perfect <laughs> framework. I have 
honestly done the same exercise to try to figure out if there's an example. Because people yes. always say, what if Stella or Cooper come home and tell you they're gay? I'm like, I'm gay. So I'd be like, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I, I'm more worried if they tell me they're straight. I'm like, how can I help you? And I'm kidding. But I have absolutely thought as someone who was raised Roman Catholic, who struggled seriously with my relationship to God and therefore myself and then therefore my family, I've often thought, well, what would happen if one of them wanted to join a church that I'm fundamentally against? The greatest lesson that I have learned through the hosting of Come Out Wherever You Are, when you're young and you're struggling and you're harboring animosity and anger, you're angry at the world and your expectation is that people are going to get up to speed with something you've struggled with that you feel impacts you quickly. There's an expectation amongst a lot of queer people that their family and friends are going to handle the news well and then quickly come to terms with it. And that's just not the reality of the human experience. When we feel our backs are against the wall, when we're shocked by information, when we're unhappy or unsatisfied with the news presented to us, we don't always act our very best. Change takes time. Martin Luther King did not change the world for African Americans in America in an hour. It took years. And through this experience, what I've come to terms with is people will share with me how hard and horrible an experience was for them. And almost always at the end of the road, it might take months or years or sometimes decades, people come around through education, empathetic education. You cannot change someone's mind by screaming in their face. You cannot change the world by getting angry. You cannot scream the world into a better place. You have to do it with a kind, empathetic, warm, understanding heart. And that does require uncomfortable conversation. So if my children came to me and said, this is something I would like to do, I would say, thank you so much for telling me this. I'm sure this wasn't easy for you. I'm proud and excited that you're exploring something that feels important to you. In this moment, I'd love to know, like, why are you, you know, why are you so excited? Uh, is there anything that you need from me? In the future, I'm wondering if there's a place or a time where we might be able to discuss how it feels for me. But in this moment, I would make it about them. What I know to be true now is that the world is not going to be solved in that one interaction. We are going to have to set up a relationship where we can have conversations so that they can best understand how it impacts me. But most importantly, I can understand how it impacts them. So from hosting the show, I've basically have a new idea about uncomfortable conversations, which is that it, it can take time. And I'm much more willing to work through uncomfortable conversations with people that I disagree with and, and do it for longer than I was back then when I was a child and my expectation was, accept me today. And if you don't, I will never speak to you again. And I've learned through all these conversations that a lot of other people learned the hard way that it's not so black and white. The world doesn't work that way. People only are given the tools that they are given. And those tools have a huge impact on what they believe to be true. And if you're going to disrupt that in a second and expect that all of a sudden they're going to accept you, and this is nothing to do with sexuality. This is everything is hard. So if someone comes up to you and wants to do something that you disagree with, do not expect in that one interaction the world is going to change. Hold space for them, hear them out, and then request that they do the same for you. And then hopefully over time, you can get to a place of mutual understanding. That's where I'm at now. 
always I walk away from our chats feeling so impressed with you, Sean Zepps. Thank you so much for speaking with me Thanks today. for having me. That's Sean Zepps. He's the host of Come Out Wherever You Are, and you can find it on the Listener app or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Siobhan Hunt. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us so we can reach and help even more parents. And if you have a topic you'd like me to cover, send your email to feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.